50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm Deantha Gratton, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. Hello, Deantha. Hi, Marcel. <laughs> We have Dr. Sabrina Ellis today. Yes. What a woman. She talks about a book she wrote in 2019, was Mm -hmm. published in 2020, about women uh, that have been wives, about basically securing their future after the loss of their husband. Mm -hmm. Things you don't think about, Marcel. We don't Mm -hmm. don't want to think about end of life and all those things that are a part of life. Right. Yeah. But then it then it catches then it you happens. off guard. Yeah. And, you know, historically, we, you know, men have earned more money than women. We have just the opposite. And she did say this book would relate to men, too, which gives you some basics about how do I prepare? Right. How do I prepare um, for that? And she lost her husband in 2020. And so she's living some of the principles that she wrote about. So let's let's go to Dr. Ellis. I think they'll enjoy the conversation with yes, her. They're gonna love her. Well, welcome, Sabrina. I'm so glad to have you on 50% with Marcel Combs today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a privilege. Yes, well, we're we're super excited to listen to uh, all the things in your life, uh, and we'll have the next 30, 45 minutes to just talk talk about uh, what you're doing and, and all of that. Um, I love to begin with you just telling us the story of how, wherever you want to begin. Some people begin at birth because it has an impact uh, to where you are today and, and just so people can get to know you a little bit. Sure. Well, um, I'm, I'm actually having this conversation with you as a result of a book that I wrote in 2019. It was published in 2020, and it's entitled Wife Life, Securing Your Future. Uh-huh. And so even though I start there, I have to go back a ways for why I wrote a book with that title. The book actually is about women preparing for their future in the case of the loss of their spouse. Truthfully, it, it, it could apply to women at any stage, but I've learned since writing the book that it also um, addresses issues for, for men, for males, husbands. Um, it started for me as uh, in an experience of my parents divorcing. So it's not just about separation by death. Um, mm-hmm. My parents divorced uh, when I was a young teenager, and it was, of course, devastating. But what I recognized um, as a young teenager, how different our lives became. My mom and I have two siblings, so she was forced to the position of having to finish raising her three children on her own. But more, even more than that is recognizing how different our lifestyle changed from having always 
grown up in a house to now having to live in an apartment. My mom, watching my mom struggle financially. And I mean, everything just really changed um, because as in many situations where divorce is concerned, you don't necessarily get to keep the same lifestyle you always had. Um, It just doesn't turn out that way. And so as my context actually growing up was church, my father was a pastor. And so when he decided that he didn't want to be married anymore, he also decided he didn't want to pastor his church anymore. So one of the big reasons we lost privilege of living in a house is that he had um, used our house as collateral to build a new church. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So when he decided to walk away, of course, the people at the church wanted the house, which legally is was their right you know uh-huh. as painful as that might have been for my mom and and for me and my siblings but moving forward as i grew up at church i watched many leaders um either pass away or be divorced and i w- would always focus on the women for some reason it was just <laughs> i kind of honed in on that and i didn't realize how intensely i was paying attention to that. And then it just kind of became a passion in that I recognized how differently their lives became when they mm-hmm. no longer had their spouses. And the last major issue that that occurred for me, um, the per- person that passed away had been a longtime friend of my husband's. And so this was just like a few years ago. And her situation was similar in that, well, different in that her husband passed away, but similar in that she was displaced. She had to leave her home. She was actually evicted. Uh, And it turned out that legally the church owned the house. Bad situation all the way around. But then I got irritated because I said, (laughs) at what point will these women take care of themselves? Or at least consider that this could happen at some point in my life, not not the church per se, but just being completely removed from a lifestyle that you were accustomed to. Whether it's by divorce or death, I've seen it both ways. And the assumption is that the the spouse or the the husband is taking care of everything and you're going to be okay. And that's not the case most of the time. And so it was that last situation that just kind of I'm like I've been watching this for years and it just (laughs) just like really threw me because I was like okay women I get it Mm -hmm. male may not have done what he was supposed to do but when will you wake up after looking at all of these Mm -hmm. situations statistics are uh even tell us well first of all statistics tell us that our husbands are more likely to pass before us Right. Then the then statistics say five out of, you know, what I, what is it? Uh, four out of five will probably end up living in poverty. And that's likely to happen just five years after the, you know, and all of these statistics are just really, you know, I'm like, why doesn't somebody pay attention? Women, why don't you secure your future? And so we know we get excited about the wedding day and the wedding bliss and the you know <laughs> butterflies and all of that. Um, but that conversation usually leads to what kind of house we're going to buy, how many children we're going to have, 
whether we'll have a pet or not, but nobody wants to talk about the end mm-hmm. and life has a cycle and none of us like to talk about the end. So to, to shorten my story, the irony of this is I wrote the book in 2019. It was published at the top of 2020, could not launch it because of COVID. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2020, I became that widow. I lost my husband in I'm September sorry. of 2020. And so I was glad that I learned enough as it relates to financial literacy and preparation. I learned enough in time. Do I wish I had done something much sooner, much earlier? Absolutely. But the fact that I did what I did when I did it, Hmm. I'm okay. Yeah. Well, you're, you have your undergraduates in psychology and then you have a master's in theology and a doctorate in transformational leadership. Right. Also in ministry. Yes. So, so you were already quite an educated woman. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you weren't going in this blindly. Um, you have a lot of drive and stamina just to make it through that, that much school, um, and papers and that kind of thing. So, so you were able to take the things you wrote about and applied them to your life. Um, what, what ended up being reality and what didn't work as well? I know you said you could have started earlier, but are are there, when you look at that, are there tips or ways you could say to women today? Absolutely. I think that younger women should make this a priority when they're preparing for marriage. I I wish this would even be a conversation that could be connected to premarital counseling, you know, at least address it and and then get you know outlined the the those things that are important um that you need to consider of course the first thing being insurance um a lot of times uh i found that young people or young adults don't see the value of having insurance mm-hmm. because they feel like it's a pay, a payment that they're making for something that hasn't right. happened I just had this conversation two weeks ago. I only have one daughter, but uh, I have four sons, but one daughter. And I just had the conversation with her two weeks ago. Do you have, both of you have life insurance? And of course, the answer is no to either one of them. And and he's, you know, they're young. Uh, right. they're, he's 27 and she's 30 and they're, they it is one more payment, just like right. you're saying. And it's not it's not a priority for them because right. they feel like I'm young and I'm gonna be here and right. you know and you know, as as much as none of us like having the conversation about death and dying, young people are dying every day, you yeah. know. And right. the reality of it is I think especially when people are um are married, um Insurance, the original intent was to be replacement income. So Mm -hmm. 
you may have a position or a job and, and you're doing well and your spouse has a position where he's doing well and his income, but when he's no longer there, that income is, is gone. Right. It's, right. it's gone. Right. And if you don't have insurance, you know, um, and depending on how much of that you have, it's, it's not replaced. Um, mm-hmm. and it, and it took me a minute after losing my husband, you know, I had, this policy and I made sure I put him away really, really well. Cause I felt like he deserved it. I, you know, yeah. I was just all of that. But then I also realized that as part of my grieving process that I kept spending money. Yeah. yeah. And then I had to just stop. I said, wait, hold up. <laughs> I don't have the income that I had yeah. when he was living and I can't yeah. just spend like I would if he was here. Yeah. And so, but, and, and it's a rude awakening. And, but, and then all I could imagine was all of those women over time that I thought about and that I was concerned about that may not have been left anything at mm-hmm. all. Right. What the struggle had to be for them waiting for others to help, yeah. uh, you know, if they would, or ha- hoping that they had a family member that they could depend on or rely on. So I think the conversation is important to have really early on. Um, if you have, if you have a job, you most can get insurance through their right through right. their jobs. And the truth is, when you said earlier, it could apply to men too. A lot of times these days, you're seeing women out earning the men. I know that's not according to statistics the norm, but yes. it becomes really important. Yeah, it for does. both of you to have, you know, uh, a life insurance policy. It's about it's really about sitting down and having the conversation, having the plan, and just put it away. I mean, yeah. you know, just I know early on uh, when my husband would bring up, you know, when I die this, when I die that. I, I shut him down. I didn't want to talk about it. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have that conversation. And yeah. so now that he's gone, I was like, wow, you know, wonder what he was going to say. Yeah. But, you know, it's he, he managed to get a lot of it said. And then he had a whole bunch of stuff he had written that was in wow. his computer. And I was like, wow. But <laughs> he was thing, thinking about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the other thing, a friend of mine, a male friend of mine who wrote the foreword in the book, he mentioned that it was it meant something to him because he was that husband that had done that. He's done all of the planning for his wife. He has everything in place, Mm. but she didn't know where it was. Ah, So he was he's that person that was would just tell her if anything happens to me, call so and so. Or yeah. if anything, you know, and there's a story, there's a short story in the book that talks about a, a gentleman who went on a trip with his good friends who would have been the contacts for his wife and they oh, all wow. in a plane crash. So she was still left with no information. Goodness. So it is, yeah. <laughs> it, it's that planning. You know, I noticed and and I would like for you to talk about this a little bit that you uh, received the 2016 President Barack Obama's Lifetime Achievement Award. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, 
it basically was due to some of the things that I was doing at the time I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was serving uh, as the executive pastor of the church. And so I had done many things in the community as it related to women's events, financial literacy events, community uh, events. And so I was recognized by um, initially by someone who served in his cabinet on on a more of on a more of a local level. Yeah. So when I got the uh, notice, you know, I kind of blew it off very honestly because I was like, uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh goodness. And, yeah. And then they kept reaching out and asking for the appointment or the time yeah. to come and make the presentation. Yeah. And, so, but it turned out it was really very nice and it was rewarding. And um, yeah, it's just kind of nice to be able to write that in my resume or my bio. Yeah. So you've spent a lifetime working in ministry, it seems. And as it relates to women and in particular, you, you, you know, that your book that that supports so much of that. What have been some of the challenges in that uh, or and successes? The the challenges, I don't I don't know that it has been a whole lot of challenges. Challenges would probably come more on a I don't want to say one-on-one basis, but within a smaller context, I would say, because the events or the um, activities, the ministries, or that I've had or done where women are concerned, um, have fortunately been successful. And <clears throat> it takes a lot for me to say that because I'm the one that's always saying it's not good enough. Yeah, and I'm still working through that because you know you got all these people out here giving you credit for impacting their life and they're, they're happy and I'm sitting over here, but I didn't do it this way or I didn't do it that way. So, but I am so appreciative because when I do stop and think about what I've done, it's, it's, it's the, the experience has been good. Of course, you come across a few things where you're going to run into, but opposition or conflict or whatever, but it hasn't really been personally, it hasn't been enough for me to see it as significant and 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 I'm and it's because you're making me think about it. <laughs> and I know a lot of it has to do with and I and I give a lot of credit to my husband because he was a defender, he was my uh he was always pushing me, my greatest fan, always had me uh, I went all the way as, as far as I did where school was concerned because he continued to say you can do this, you got it, keep going. <laughs> Yeah, he was really my cheerleader. And very honestly, the first person to push as hard as he pushed me. So that was uh, that was another significant part of our relationship. And so many things that some other person or individual may have experienced, I didn't have to because he was like this person hovering over me. Wow. And so it prevented a lot of uh, negative challenges or however you want to describe that. But it also forced me or pushed me into achieving excellence for whatever I would do. I didn't want to be an embarrassment or I didn't want to 
look like I was pretending or, you know, yeah. so I would, well, clearly you see, I tried to gather information. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you took over the, his church, right? I did. Actually, before he died, correct? And you talk a little bit about transformational leadership, and I know you are a certified Maxwell coach. What was that like to to take over? I know you probably had already done hand-in-hand ministry with him. Oh, boy. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. I had the ministry part. You're right. I had a lot of hands on as the executive pastor. He was a pastor. I was executive. Yeah. So that was a number of years of running the church from behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I I usually say the bug didn't stop with me. So (laughs) I was real good at being number two and I was okay (laughs) with being number two. Never wanted to pastor. He's, he had always known that I never wanted to be, but in 2019, he suffered a stroke mm-hmm. and we were hoping that he would fully recover. He got better, but he didn't feel like he was good enough to continue. Plus he was tired. And so when he asked me to take it over because he was not satisfied with any of the names that were coming up to succeed mm-hmm. him, he asked me to do it. Now, on this side of it, I feel like he knew he was coming to the end. But yeah, you know. yeah. Um, so it only it was only for two years. I stayed for two years, mm. and actually, I got us through the pandemic, which for uh-huh. me is rewarding enough. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. When other churches it's a hard time were, for churches mm-hmm. churches were closing down, and I, you know, I tell people, you know, we never had a late, late mortgage payment, we never missed paying the utilities, we mm-hmm. never. I learned a lot about um, uh, technology and streaming, and yeah, as we all did. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And standing yes. in an empty church, you know, talking yeah. to imaginary people. <laughs> All of that. Imaginary, right. <laughs> right. Out there somewhere. But being creative with how to maintain um, those things that were most important as it related to ministry to a people who were looking to hear from leadership. So, you know, I, I didn't have time to fall apart, you know, and so the thing of it is doing that and still, and still grieving the loss of my husband for almost 39 years and pastor for 30 years and all of that. So when it, it came to, I knew that I would not stay indefinitely, Mm-hmm. But I tried to give myself a timeline. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, for me, there's no point in like over spiritualizing it. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't what I wanted yeah. to do. So I feel yeah. like I, it was in in it was in the plan for for me to do it when I did it for as long as I did it. He used to say a long time ago, and many of the congregants reminded me of this. He would always say. If something happens to me, I want her to pack her bags and head to Dallas where her mother is. I want her to go immediately. She does not need. So, but when it came to the end, I mean, we couldn't plan it perfectly. Yeah. I did what I was required to do. And Mm -hmm. um, I was actually proud of the two years that I did it. And I think he Mm would have been. 
one day I packed everything up and came to and Dallas. Came to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to a young woman or to your young self looking back? Are there places you would have done something differently? Would you encourage young women to uh, work in the field you worked or go after that doctorate? I would not... I would encourage women to be the best they can be in whatever field they choose. Don't settle for just the basics or keep going, keep learning. I was late getting that encouragement. And I would say, if you recognize that you don't have the confidence that you need to move forward and you're, you're, you know, kind of, hanging on to some fears and insecurities, get rid of that sooner than later. And uh, that's what I would tell my younger self. Um, but I didn't recognize that, that it, how much it could stop you, block you, slow you down. And so, yeah, um, get past the fears, get over the uh, insecurities do what it takes to build your own confidence and forge ahead. <laughs> and forge ahead. forge ahead. That's that's a big deal. Have there, and I know you're going to say your husband is one of these, but uh, along the way, have you had mentors or coaches um, that um, have played a significant role in your life? <laughs> There have been a few, not a whole lot. Let me start with, I know I talk about my husband being the greatest and, I, and I've already established that. I have to start with watching my mother finish raising us because, you know, as kids, you can find everything wrong with what's going on. Right. But when you have your own, you're like, well, wait, it wasn't so bad after all, you know? <laughs> right. And I think about, you know, the strength that it took for her to, to mm -hmm. stick with, you know, finishing and raising us. And, you know, we, we're, we're pretty decent citizens in the community. So <laughs> I'll start there. I did not have a lot of mentors along the way. Um, I did have one in ministry as it related, because once I became, um, that person in ministry, of course, I relied heavily on my husband, but there was a point where he said, okay, you, now you need a female, you know, mm -hmm. to continue and to carry you along the way. And so I yeah. did have that person. Um, I recognize at this point in my life that I probably could have had other mentors, but I relied so heavily on my husband. Mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. one thing that might've happened that I might have missed. The other thing is other people's, I don't know if I want to say fear, um, reservations about coming close because of who my husband was. He was oh. pretty significant in our context, in our church. And he was a major leader, educated, very knowledgeable. And, and so, so I usually had mentors from afar. They didn't know they were yeah. mentoring me. And so now that my life has shifted to um, where it is now, I look to different kinds of mentors, um, not so much in ministry, but now maybe entrepreneurship or 
other things that are different that I may have missed out on in life because everything was about church and ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And your husband too had his doctorate, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So two very educated people. <laughs> I say that because my husband has his PhD and I, I have my master's, but I was like one one doctorate in the house is enough. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm over it. I get it. So how do you define success for yourself today? It's, it's probably a very, very much more emotional than anything else because I have worked so hard to get past those things that I just talked about, lack of mm -hmm. confidence insecurity, fears. Um, but the other thing that at this point and stage of my life, peace is success. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, there's a lot of pe people think they know what's best for you and oh. they will try <laughs> to manipulate you into doing what they think you should do. <laughs> I'm trying to say that as yeah. nicely as I can. As nice as you can. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I've learned to do is, is create some serious boundaries. And mm -hmm. I realize that at this stage of my life, it's absolutely necessary. And so building a life for myself as one, because us does not exist anymore. That mm -hmm. is new for me. And I think as I work on that and every step I take, toward that is success for me. Those are great words. When you have lived so long with a partner, I said this because my husband twice went to Iraq and left for a year. You know, you have roles that you each play that you learn to play because you got to learn to, I mean, no matter who it is, you got to learn to live with that other person. And when that person goes away, who's doing, I mean, sure, there's the loss in the heart, but then there's also the function. Right. Um, <laughs> the function of of how things get done. So I yeah. I encourage you. I'm sure you're doing great work in doing that. Tell me what you're up to. What are what are your goals in the next few years? I know you 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 wrote the book and you're working on the book, but but that book is also probably speaking to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as you do this, I would love to do some coaching. And mentoring, I'm sort of being kind of pushed. I was tr building this whole coaching thing. And then just like out of the clear blue in the last couple of weeks, I've had two young ladies um, reach out to me about mentoring them. And I was like, yeah. what? And I thought, well, maybe <laughs> this is what I'm, you know, maybe um, when they it. talk about what their goals are. And I'm like, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but I, it's still, it's still about women and whatever mm -hmm. my part is in encouraging or coaching, mentoring, um, I'd like to do that. I'd love to do consulting. I haven't had a lot of success in finding those places that, that could use or are, that are open to the whole consulting piece around relationships and the mm -hmm. importance of re relationships as in the workplace. I feel like a lot of people minimize relationships, but just, I just like to do more coaching, mentoring, and consulting. 
And um, I'm expecting that it's just going to open up wide, just like out of nowhere, all at once. Probably when you're, when you least expect it. It always seems to be feast or famine. When you were a little girl and people ask you what you wanted to do, did you say, I, I want to work in ministry? No. <laughs> I did not. Um, as I tell people uh, when they ask about the call to ministry, I said, I felt it, knew it for a long time, but I wouldn't say it because I knew I would be <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I don't, that didn't really work for you, did it? It did not work. <laughs> you know, well, you can't downplay that pastor's role in administration of a church. I mean, as much as people church, put church in a whole lot of different boxes, a church that doesn't run well doesn't do well and can't minister to people well. Um, so, you know, I, I thank you for all the years that you spent doing that because it, it can be a thankless job some days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, you're right. I, and I appreciate you for saying that it took a friend of mine to tell me who has been in corporate for a lot of years uh -huh. that everything that I've done in church is what's needed in corporate. It's just called something different. Exactly. It just has a it girl. It just has a different label. So what uh, what inspires you really to to push forward these days? I have two adult daughters. I want them to see as their mother and as another woman what it looks like to keep going. Mm -hmm. They were daddy's girls. I uh, was. I taught them well how to love their father. And yeah. we have a very good relationship, but I I think every day about being able to leave something, oh, I don't know, just a legacy. But, you know, mm -hmm. that word is thrown around a lot. I, I want them to really be able to say when I'm gone that I got this from my mother. My mother... Mm -hmm showed me, my mother yeah. taught me, my mother, you know, and I hear them say things off and on now, but I feel like I'm still here for a reason and I still have a whole lot to show them right. and other young women like them. Right. So I want to be that example. I don't want to just talk about what people should be doing or what women should be <laughs> doing, but I want there to be a record left to live that says she lived what she talked about great thoughts great thoughts you know i always love to end with uh what your favorite books are or what podcast or, or how you're learning today what are those it's hard to say because these days i i am studying for teaching i got involved in <laughs> And teaching classes at, at my present church. And now and I'm starting to get invitations again for speaking because I kind of took a sabbatical from all of that. I loved Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. I have not read her mm -hmm. second book. I'm about to open Bishop T.D. Jake's book, um, Disruptive <laughs> Thinking. I haven't. I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> for so long, all, everything was related to school. 
Exactly. <laughs> so that when you finish school, it's like I don't want to read a book. I don't. I don't want any more. <laughs> I got enough. <laughs> yeah. And I was that person in school that did not had not learned that you don't have to read the book from cover to cover. (laughs) Why did somebody tell me? (laughs) You just look for the answer. I actually had a friend direct me to that. I was like, I can't keep up with this. Anything that 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 speaks to growth. When I say growth, I mean like uh, self care. Uh, those kinds of things, um, developing um, your mindset. Those th- those are the types of things that always get my attention, how to be better. How would people, if they wanted to get in touch with you, are they wanting to uh, request you to speak for them or yeah, teach we, them? We how would they get in touch with you? Through my website, sabrinajellis.com. Okay. Everything, okay. booking, all of that. Um, books, uh, blogs. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm glad to have you in Texas. Um, You know, if you're ever up my way, look me up. And it's been a delight to have you um, on 50% with Marcel Combs today. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. This has been Okay. Thank you for the work you're doing. Sure. Take care.